They're the boys in the back room. We have a guy who works in the back, Eric Jones. He's the big German. Be nice to Marvin. He'll be taking your calls today. Chat row, Tyler, the moderator, handling the duties there. A couple of weeks ago, Dylan was getting us breakfast. Now he's doing graphics on this program. You know who? Blame Mario. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, the uh, backroom guys are not allowed to eat until 12.15. You're now listening to the 12.15 Club. Back at it again for another episode of the 12.15 Club. It is Mario here joined by all my friends in the back. Eric the Big German, Marvin the Prince, Dylan the Graphics Guy. Eric, why are you shaking your head? We're friends. Friend-ish. We're friends. I'd say I say we're friends. We're friends from like seven a.m. to three p.m. Monday sometimes through you, Friday. Sometimes you call me around four o'clock. <laughs> there you go. A little bit. That's true. Every <laughs> once in a while. No, you're a friend, Mario. You've been to my house at least once. So I have. Makes you a friend. Dylan, we got an update on AMC. Me and Dylan. So just really quick, me and Dylan bought some AMC. Um, yes, Mario's referring to the stock and. Here, your uh, current update it's hovering between 14 and 15 dollars, and Doge coins hovering right around five cents a coin. So, Great. now's we're probably a good time to get in on both of those. We're gonna be rich in no time. To uh, the moon. We, had a, we had a big week here at the Dan Patrick Show. We're gonna be joined by Paulie Paps in just a minute here. Um, the big thing that came out of this week though was a Scotty Miller interview, which made headlines across many, many media outlets um, across the nation. So, we're gonna play that sound back. Uh, just exactly what he said that made headlines. How would you do if you and Tyreek Hill lined up? Oh, I'm, I'm taking me every day of the week. Um, I'll take me over anybody. Tyreek is unbelievable, uh, super quick, unbelievable talent. But if we're talking about race, I mean, I got all the confidence in myself against going up against anybody. Wait, you think you're the fastest guy in the NFL? Yes, sir. All right, Paul, so you hear that. At what point uh, during that interview or during that answer do you think to yourself, all right, we may make headlines or there may be something here? Instantaneously. I've been doing this for a while and you really have radar for this kind of stuff. And even though it's kind of silly, you know, you got a wide receiver saying he's faster than Tyreek Hill. It's not the biggest story in the world. Here's the thing, though. During Super Bowl week, these teams are so conditioned to give no bulletin board material or any material between the two teams that um, any little morsel becomes something real, something bigger. You know, basically, these two teams spend two weeks trying to say nothing and trying to get to Super Bowl Sunday without any media storm around anything. Now, this is not a big deal. It's not like someone called somebody out or, you know, really laid into somebody. But in this current culture, we are with sports media. Any little morsel is going to get blown up mostly with social media. And the other thing is, um, by having a player that I, 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 if I'm going a little deeper on this, Scotty Miller doesn't do interviews all the time. He is a six round draft pick out of Bowling Green. He's actually the one person we asked for from the Bucks. We didn't ask for Brady or Gronk. And here's the reason we weren't getting Brady or Gronk. So as a show, we decided let's go after someone who's maybe a better story and fresher. And then we have a better chance of getting on our show because Tom Brady doesn't do interviews unless he's paid. Mm-hmm. And so we actually asked the Bucks for Scotty Miller. They said, Oh, that's cool. He's one of the stars of the, AFC, the NFC title game. And, and we got him. And you may think, well, Scotty Miller, he's a six-rounder out of Bowling Green. What's going to happen here? Well, he may not be as polished as others in saying nothing. And he answered a question completely honest. And as a track guy, he's very confident in his skills. And he probably thought, this is no big deal. But the bonus coverage was within an hour, I think we we're still on the air, Tyree Kill took our tweet that you sent out, Mario, and retweeted it, which blows the story up more. Mm-hmm. And then – we have Patrick Mahomes, and we taped him two hours after the show or half an hour after the live show, 
and we're able to ask Mahomes about it and kind of stoke up the fire with that. It was a fun story. worked out really well. Is there an aspect to that for like Mahomes? So we taped Mahomes a couple uh, minutes or a couple uh, hours after. Um, is there an aspect to that as a producer where you want to save it for the next day or you want to throw that tease out there, there, throw that little morsel to get people to bite? We First of all, we don't like to tape interviews if we don't have to. And if we do, we hope that they hold for the next day because let's say we tape Patrick Mahomes at one o'clock on Wednesday and at four o'clock on Wednesday, Eric Bieniemy gets hired by the Texans. Then our whole interview is pretty much shot because we can't, didn't ask him about Bieniemy or we asked him before the news came and we had to play off his tape. With this one specifically with the Tyree Kill, uh, Scotty Miller thing, we decided to take the one little clip of Mahomes to stoke up the story and have fun with it as a teaser for the next day's full Mahomes interview. I don't know that we've done that too many times before, probably, you know, once every couple of years, but that seemed like a good strategy. Do you have uh, I mean, so we make news here all the time. It's the Dan Patrick show. Do you have one specific headline or one guest that made a headline that stands out to you most? Um, I would say as far as worldwide attention on our show and it wasn't sports related, I think it was 2014 or 2012. I can't remember. We had Charlie Sheen on the show, and this was when he was he had just been suspended by CBS. He had one of the top five shows in the country. Um, what, what was it called? Um, two and a Half Men. Two and a Half Men. He had been suspended for his off-the-field behavior, for lack of a better phrase. And uh, Charlie Sheen was, um, was just hitting baseballs with some friends at UCLA and talked to the UCLA, UCLA baseball team. And he told them, hey, uh, stay off the crack, you know, drink chocolate milk. And we, thought, we saw it on TMZ. I had a cell phone for, for um, Charlie Sheen that he gave us maybe in 2005. Honestly, 2005 or six. said, if you ever want me back on the Dan Pat Show, call me. He still had the same cell phone number. I text Charlie. He says, I would love to come on the show with Dan. This was a Friday. I'll try to tighten this story up. But Charlie Sheen's story is one of the biggest stories in America at the time. You have a top actor on a top TV show imploding, and the show suspends him. And so it, we were just about to go off the air Friday, and Charlie Sheen texts me back and says, hey, man, I'm, I'm running out the door. I'm going to Vegas with some friends. I'll come on the show Monday. And Dan teased it. So over the weekend, I guess all of Charlie Sheen's agents and publicists and CBS begged him not to do the interview. They wanted Charlie to quiet things down, get back to work on this money-making show. Charlie comes on our show. He was, he, he's from Ohio. He knows Dan. Um, and he just laid into, for 20 minutes, CBS I mean, he unleashed the hounds and it was the biggest story in America. It was on the evening news, not entertainment tonight, but the evening news. It was on entertainment tonight and all those different channels. We got calls from the audio from like stations, the BBC in England, from uh, stations in, uh, uh, I remember specifically a station in New Zealand and Australia. It was the biggest story in the country. It was a lead everywhere. And then Charlie Sheen called back unprompted two days later to do round two of this. And I can remember... That's the most publicity I think our show has ever gotten for an interview because it was truly worldwide and it was like in Variety Magazine, uh, Today Show, any, any, any media organization had it. That was the biggest. We're joined by Paul Paps here in the 1215 Club. Love uh, it. Paul, Paul, as you know, we've had Todd on a couple times mm. and Todd t- tends to air some grievances uh, when he's on. Hmm. One specifically that I wanted to bring back, and we have the audio so you can listen to it. Great. 
what is that breaking point? Yeah, right. I don't think I've gotten there yet, but we're getting closer. That's for sure. You know, between cutting the net and the scissors and the broom and the sweeping and all but that. None of those <laughs> things were setups. I mean, that's the thing. Is it well, like, set, set no. up in that? Set up in that? You know, people are incompetent in certain things in life, but it doesn't get broadcast nationally on radio and TV. So set yeah. up meaning, hey, let's you know show more things that make look pretty look stupid. People in the privacy of their own home or in their daily lives have a bunch of things I'm sure they can't do, but it's not being broadcast. It's not on camera. That's the difference. Todd, my I've agreed, and I've agreed to allow that. So I'm allowing myself to be set up for failure, knowing that, that I'm going to be asked to do things that I'm not going to do as well as the next one. So, Paul, listening back to that, Todd obviously feels like he's being set up whenever the broom or the scissors or the can opener comes out. Mm-hmm. Do you see it that way? Yeah, absolutely. That's exactly my point. That's exactly what I'm trying to do. As a producer, I'm trying to set something up for content. Um, Todd's got a point. He's not a stupid person in any way. He's very smart. And I'm not trying to make him look stupid, but I think it's fascinating. I think I'm fascinated by people in general. And when Todd Fritz years ago took a broom and used it like like a shuffleboard <laughs> instead of the motion you would use with a broom to sweep, I find that fascinating that a human being can make it to age 50 without using a broom before and or not knowing how to do it. Uh, what do you think, Eric? Well, one of the things that in particular he called out in the interview, because it was right after he had to make his own pie to the face, yeah. is the fact that he was being set up to open up a can of whatever it was. Yes. I feeling. Yeah. Or the other thing, like, okay, so that's not exactly rocket science, right? But the other thing is he's like, oh, the scissors, because he had to cut down the net. It wasn't like just Todd. It wasn't like you were like, all right, we're going to do this thing so Todd Absolutely. fails. Everybody cut down the net because it's from the Hoosiers, and it was the last show in the old studio. And Todd spent, like, I mean, I wasn't there because I was here building a new one, but I know, like, he spent a lot of time, and I mean, I've seen the clip. So it's not like he's getting set up all the time. No. We've stumbled upon these things. Remember, the broom was not a setup. Someone asked him, Dan actually asked him to help clean up. That was not me whatsoever. And we noticed him sweeping with a broom. If someone sweeps a broom like this, I'm going to point it out because I think America would also be fascinated. When you hand a 50-year-old man a can opener, it takes him seven minutes to open a can. That to me is fascinating. And I think the average person at home, I'm telling you, for every person who says I'm, I'm mean to Todd with those kind of things, there's other people saying, there's no way Todd cannot know how to use a can opener or not know how to what little things like this that are, we take for granted. Am I piling on a little bit? I would say I do this maybe once a year to him with one of those like uh, things, but when, well, maybe, maybe more, but um, <laughs> my birthday cake, when I saw him try to take a birthday cake, he's a father of two. I would assume he maybe cut a birthday cake before, or maybe saw someone in, in human history cut a cake. He left the cake in the box. He didn't remove it from the box to make it easier on himself. And then he, he destroyed the cake with, and then he blamed the knife. He said, you gave me some weird knife. It was a cake cutting knife on the box. On the wrapping of the knife, it said cake cutting knife. It's less sharp than others. So we actually gave him one for it. And you asked Seton, Seton may say I pile on a little bit, but he's just as fascinated by his lack of abilities with normal human things. Is there any part of you that uh, when you do this, you think maybe you could help Todd in his own life? See, Maybe he'll pick up these skills. Now I'm going to get upset. Because anyone who's watched this show for the past 15 years knows nobody has done more to try to get Todd to do these things than me. And that's kind of my reverse psychology. I don't think you could ever learn how to do anything in life if you don't try it. Mm-hmm. If you don't try to cut a cake or change a tire or use a, uh, um, a can opener, you're never going to learn, even at this late stage. So I asked Todd 45 straight days to work out with me last year, and he came up with it 45 different reasons not to. And so while you maybe think I'm making fun of him, I actually wanted to work out with him, help him get in shape. So is that mean or is that, uh, I don't know what that is. Dylan. Yeah. 
Um, well, Paul, I'd actually, I, cause I noticed this about, um, you, like when we we're doing the, uh, Todd making his own pie is like, you're standing there over him while he's fumbling around with this thing. And like the look on your face desperately says like, I just want to help you do like, obviously right. you can't do that. Cause that's not the point of it. But like, right. I think there's genuine desire to, you know, aid Todd in his journey to learn how to open a can. Yeah. Um, so I'll I think it- that's another, like, that's like sort of the more like genuine side it, of this it's whole part thing. of it but you know my job here is not to um you know uh, make things smooth and easy it's hopefully to produce content and you know obviously todd is a great sport i'll give him a lot of credit he takes a lot of stuff and he plays with it well and deals with it well probably better than most and that's why it's so interesting but um i don't know i, I just like to think that everything's in play in the room and he is just the most fascinating character in the room that's why i think he gets the camera a lot and believe me i don't think i'm near as interesting as todd now, for whatever reason that is, um, yeah, I'm sure I've got things that make people like, what, what's with that guy doing this? But I think Todd is a more interesting uh, character. Yeah, I mean, I, I think we can vouch for that. Having him <laughs> on the, the show a couple times oh. and dealing with him on a daily basis. He is, he's a nice guy, but he's very interesting. Let me tell you something, Mario. I, I started working with Todd a long time ago, and I knew nothing about him the first day I worked with him. Our desks at, at ESPN were like cubicles and they were so right up against each other. And if you looked at my cubicle, you'd think, Oh, there's a guy who works in sports radio. There's like, you know, soda cans and, you know, like uh, pictures and newspapers Mm -hmm. and magazines and my pen and my stuff all over my desk. Just a typical messy sports guy's desk. Todd's desk looked like no one had ever worked there ever. He would walk in every day with his briefcase, like an old briefcase from the seventies. He'd put it down. He'd take out all his stuff for the day. He'd take out his pens, his books, um, like, like Rain Man. And, and he would put them all down. He wouldn't, you know, he had no pictures of family, no pictures of his like kids. Um, he would bring his own food in a little like brown bag, like an actual brown bag. And then at the end of the day, he would clean up his desk. And if you went over that desk, you would think no one had ever worked at the desk. He left no personal effects. And I just looked at that. And that's the first time I found him to be fascinating because I was like, <laughs> he leaves no uh, personal effects that you would think that uh, someone had been working there or who, you know, he, he ran ESPN for a long time. Everyone knew him and he had no stamp on his little area there. Yeah. I mean, it, with him, it seems like it's like he does uh, things one way and one way. it's just never going to change. Like, Which I kind of respect. I do respect that Todd says, this is the way I want to do this. And you're not going to convince me otherwise. It's both frustrating and I respect. Yeah, that's fair enough. Uh, any, are you looking for, is there a part of you that's a little relief that you're not going to be getting uh, concussed by an NFL player next week? Uh, zero. Um, this sucks. I wish we were absolutely down at the Super Bowl doing another week. Um, it's always our favorite week of the year. There, there's obviously uh, serious reasons why we're not going. It makes mm. a lot of sense to not go. But I think we all agree that this is just one of those years you got to bite the bullet. And um you know, you think about a lot of those Super Bowls where we had nothing when we started off and then we got these these unbelievable sets that DirecTV worked with us on. And it, it's like it's like a gap year. It's like a leap year almost, it feels like, where it's mm-hmm. just in, in the ether and you're not going to think much about it. But it doesn't really change what we do. Um, we do the same show whether we're here or there. There we just have different types of toys to play with. You have a basketball court or you have Drew Brees on set. So it doesn't really change the job description, but usually at the Super Bowl, something happens or a handful of things happen every year that go in your memories and you will remember 10 years later. Like Jerry Seinfeld, this one never even made camera. We were in New York City and they built us what looked like a brownstone. That You remember this, Eric. And uh, 
it was beautiful. It was awesome. We had this awesome view of downtown Manhattan. It was very unique and cool. And we got Jerry Seinfeld to be on the show. He's promoting comedians and cars getting coffee. And he walks onto the set, and he was going to be our first guest at 9.05. His schedule just dictated that. Usually, we don't have a guest in the first segment. But Jerry Seinfeld, that's it. He walks on set about 8.57. So he's before the show's even started. He just No one's telling him where to go. He just walks right out onto the set. And his first line, he looks around. He goes, he goes, Dan Patrick, you've got Seinfeld money. Look at this place. And, and he just starts riffing and cutting people up and having fun. And nobody rolled on it because we weren't ready. And, mm-hmm. and it's just one of those memories that's just stuck in my mind. And I can give you a hundred more. Eric? One other from that week, just personal story. Um, that was also the time that, uh, so Johnny Knoxville sure. uh, was on the show and we were doing a skit with him and he was going to play flinch ball and he needed to practice on somebody. So <laughs> that was when I stood for about three minutes straight with Johnny Knoxville <laughs> trying to hit me in the gonads. And uh, it was, it left a lasting impression. I'll tell you that much. Yeah, it's, ways. it's weird when you think back at it, you're like, I can't believe I did that. I was sitting there getting Johnny Knoxville warmed up on groin shots. Um, <laughs> You know, even I don't know. There's there's a hundred more that we could do. That, uh, but that New York Super Bowl was uh, really interesting. I can remember later in that week. Uh, that was the week um, specifically at New York Super Bowl. That's the week I ran into Philip Seymour Hoffman on the street six hours before he died. And they all start when you start thinking about a Super Bowl week. All that stuff comes back from each year. Eric. That being said, my guess is your chiropractor is going to be having a little less money this year <laughs> because every year you always take a couple of hits. I mean, I think back to whether it was Erlacher or JJ Watt. So I just wonder as a producer, uh, how do you come up with like those types of things, right? Because I mean, it's not normal. Like, oh, we have a big guest in the show. And like, as a producer, you're yeah. like, let's make sure we have the graphics. Let's make sure we have this, that, the other thing, the sound ready is the questions. But you always come at it from a different perspective. And Th- so thanks. How that works. I'd like to think that, you know, JJ Watt's going to do 20 interviews in Super Bowl week. How can ours be different? And you, it could be a question. It could be a bit. It could be him hitting seat with a pie. It could be anything. Um, myself, I'm, I never played high level sports as anyone could tell. And all my high school buddies would say, Oh man, you know, those, those guys aren't that tough and pros, you know, like my tough high school buddies, I'm like JJ Watt would kill you. He would, he would, <laughs> we could dismember you. And so it was kind of a thought in my head years ago that I would like to go head to head against these NFL players and just like a little simulated bit to make this point of how different they are physically than us. And it's been like a fun running gag. I think the first one we did that I remember was um, Tony Siragusa, who's 350, 350. And we had him on set down in Miami at the Super Bowl. And Seat and I tried to block him. Seat and I together are about 350. And Syracuse is 350. We put everything we had on him. And it felt like if a car went out of gear and you're trying to hold it from rolling down a hill and there's nothing you could do, it was fascinating. And that kind of whet my appetite for that. And so every year we tried to do that. The one that stood out is um, in the snow in Dallas at the Super Bowl. Michael Strahan was there. He had just retired. Dan goes, you want, want to rush one more quarterback? And he goes, okay. And Michael goes outside in street clothes and sneakers, no football stuff. And Dan played quarterback, and I tried to block Strahan. Strahan picked me up like under the armpits and kind of lift me up like a little child. And he starts running me back, and he was going to dump me over this barrier. And he was just about to dump me over. It looked like just a, a little barrier, and then you'd fall down on the ground. It was a 15-foot fall because the way our set was set up. Right before he dumped me over, he realizes it and stops and pulls me back. And then 
he, uh, you know, he realized, he even said to me after he goes, you know, I was about to dump you over that thing. And I real I saw the depth of it and I didn't go there, but those, those were always fun. But there was a couple that hurt. There was, um, the stray hand kicked me in the ribs and that hurt for a while. And there was one more, um, San Francisco. Didn't you get a chop? I it, Matt Forte hit Matt me Forte, with a stiff yeah. arm in the face and I had a stomach ache for about an hour and, and had a headache for a couple hours. And so, but otherwise they were pretty, pretty tame. We're going to be wrapping up here with you, Paul. The last question we wanted to get to was, so Dan alluded to on air, you were my professor in college. Yes. My, my broadcasting professor. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to see if you can give us uh, any advice as a 1215 club. We're kind of all new to this kind of you know doing a podcast. What would be your single piece of advice for us? For like you guys doing the podcast? Yes. Have fun. Make each other laugh. That's it. I mean, that's basically the, the Dan Patrick show. Be be coordinated in your game plan, but talk as if you're five guys, four guys at the bar just trying to make each other laugh. And because if you're having fun, the person listening is generally having fun. Every sports show I listen to, whether it be Dan Lebetard or The Morning Men on Sirius, those guys sound like they're having a blast. Because if you can't have a blast doing sports, get out and let someone else do it. Because, oh my gosh, I can't believe, you know, I'm, I know what age I am, and I, I, it's very possible I'm going to go wire to wire getting paid to talk about sports for a living or, or getting hit in the groin by uh, <laughs> somebody. And if you think about the alternative, you'll laugh all the way through every show and have fun with it. And I hear these shows where they're yelling and angry, and it's so phony. Um, it's just it's a lot of crap on TV. So just have fun, but have also a game plan and have know when a bit is done. Know when to get out. Mm-hmm. You know, if, if you're working on a topic – and it's going somewhere, stay with it. If it's going nowhere, get out. Howard Stern, Dan Patrick, they're the kings of that. They take that, whatever the topic is that's entertaining, and the minute it's no longer entertaining, go. Be ready mm-hmm. to go to a different direction. We have fun here, right, guys? Dylan? Yay! Yeah. <laughs> no, you guys do. You, that's the thing about your show is that you're put, you know, unveiling some things about behind the scenes and telling some stories. So that's the, that's the game plan of the show is to tell stories about the Dan Patrick show and delve into things that we may not have time or the inclination to do on air, but then while you're doing it, see if we can poke at it and have some fun with it. Absolutely. Paul, we appreciate your time. Thanks for hanging with us, uh, giving us some of your time on this Friday. Uh, We'll catch you next week. Have a good weekend. Uh, Enjoy having Fritzy on next week. (laughs) See you, Paul. Bye. That was fun. That was fun having Paul on. Uh, we, We had him on, I think at the very beginning of the podcast and it was just, it was very uh, brief to have, I think it was, Something with Tyler to defend him, but this was good. He told a lot of good stories, Eric. Yeah, he, he came on when uh, it was you versus Tyler and something, and he was kind of the uh, mediator, judge, and jury. But, um, yeah, no, I mean, it, you know, Paul can be a little bit intimidating sometimes, right? He's mm-hmm. he's the producer and he runs the nine to noon show, mm-hmm. and um, so you know, we wanted to make sure that when we had him on, there was a reason, and um, no, it was great. I hope everyone got to enjoy it because no. Um, so I, who do you think's a better uh, teacher, you or Paul? Well, he's been doing it longer than me, so I'm going to uh, give him the nod. Doesn't sound very confident. I don't know <laughs> if I would want you as my teacher. <laughs> we had a lot of good guests, and we're going to have a lot of good guests next week. Um, the, these back-to-back Fridays, we've had two commercial stars, right? So we had tag team with Sprinkles a couple of weeks ago or last Friday, and then we had Jake from State Farm this week. Um, and it it kind of goes to, 
I guess what the guys do when they're booking guests on a Friday, I guess when they do it every day, but when they're booking guests specifically on a Friday, Todd looks for um, guests that kind of keep things loose and a little bit something outside of the box. Did you guys enjoy one or the other more so just given how relevant they are and on TV today, these days, Eric? I thought tag teams um, segment that they did was great because they went back and forth and um, looked good, sounded good. I thought that was good. Um, but then we talked about this last week, but then afterwards when there was just 13 people on the phone that no one um, told us about, <laughs> and that was very frustrating. But um, I think Jake from State Farm uh, – was great and it was a little weird to see him before he was on because like he was just hanging out in his apartment or house and he was yeah. just like chilling on his phone and i'm like wait that's like that's that guy jake from state farm same thing happened today with jimmy johnson actually because you know, he was just sitting there waiting for us to get there and i'm like there's there's i almost swore <laughs> bill I've seeing Jake from State Farm not wearing like a red State Farm polo is like is like seeing your teacher outside of school. It just didn't. It looks very unnatural. <laughs> I was like, "Who is this guy?" Yeah, no, he was. I, I mean, I thought he was good. He has a good personality. Um, and he shared some stories, which was a lot of fun. Marv, there was a specific guest this week that you had some high hopes for, and things didn't pan out. Yeah, Mario. I was really disappointed in Richard Sherman. He's usually a great talker, but he just didn't seem into it. And on top of that, the connection was terrible. So that was definitely the most disappointing interview I've seen in a while because of the high hopes that I had for the interview. So that one, and I said it right as the interview was going, I think we all said it, that it was bad. But, you know, that was, that irked me bad just only because I had high expectations for someone like Richard Sherman and Richard Sherman was given these, you know, one word. Yeah, he was like given one liners and then Dan um had asked him about like Deshaun Watson going oh. to the Jets. And he had clearly said that two weeks ago or a week ago. He said it to Collinsworth on his podcast. And yeah. then Dan asked him the same question. He's like, Yeah, I don't know. He can do whatever he wants. Like, dude, right. you literally just said this. <laughs> why Why are you trying to play coy now? Right. That was the most, that was probably the most frustrating answer he gave because when we put that question on Dan's one sheet, which are the questions that we give to Dan, I put that down because you're the one who said it. We would have yeah. never mentioned Deshaun Watson going to the Jets if you hadn't said that was the perfect spot for him. And you're like, you got to ask Deshaun. No, I'm asking you because you're the one who said it. <laughs> you're the one who broached the topic. Yeah, to begin with. like you, like you brought it up, <laughs> Dylan. Yeah, I was gonna say like I feel like Richard Sherman's never been one to really you know keep quiet before. Um, he's known as he's known as a pretty notorious trash talker too while on the field. But I think it was actually kind of funny because normally when a connection drops on like an interview, it's a bad thing. But it kind of cut out like right at the perfect time before like the wheels really came off for. Yeah. <laughs> Dan, all right, just tell Todd. Uh, yeah, it was like, oh, well, all right, I guess we lost him. <laughs> Eric, are you doing anything? Uh, we've talked a little bit about Super Bowl. It's going to be a little bit different this year, um, being that we're not going to be remote. Are you doing anything different to prepare for next week? Uh, we're not leaving, but it, it is still Super Bowl week at the end of the day. It is Super Bowl week, and it's very bizarre. My job for the last four years has been to manage the – set, build, design, budget, 
process and execution. So um, definitely a, something I'm missing um, from a personal and professional uh, place, but also obviously the show's the best during that week. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's, it, this is really deep in the weeds, but um, because there's a lot of guests, athletes and stuff who are doing um, appearances with sponsors and they're doing, Hey, 10 minutes here, 10 minutes there, 10 minutes there, um, which is something that they would do on Super Bowl week, right? They'd come to one set, then they go to another set, they go to another set. Um, we have to keep, leaving our zoom and going into a new zoom. And, and so there's just a little bit of juggling there um, on just kind of the computer side to make sure that we're connected to the right people, or we have our zoom available to the right people and that we start the right room for the right person. And so there's a little bit of uh, juggling and it, you know, I direct I'm the technical director. I handle all the video clips in the server. I do half of Dylan's job. So, um, you know, I got, I got a couple things going on, but, um, stink Dylan. (laughs) I'm sorry, (laughs) but no, um, you know, and the other thing is, is, uh, Chad, uh, Chad Ward from Traeger is going to be here flying in, getting a COVID test, quarantining. And then he's going to be here at minimum Thursday, Friday, maybe Wednesday, depending on when he gets his uh, COVID results. So, um, that's really the only thing that I think will be different here. Mm -hmm. Um, but, uh, but yeah, there's definitely going to be a lot of, uh, moving pieces i think and the other thing that's always difficult i know you always say you like it but it's it's sometimes difficult to the on the execution side is i think there's gonna be a lot of like late guest ads or that kind of thing because i think there's just going to be news and there's always kind of it's always a fluid week so um you know just a little more uh, juggling again to use the same phrase six times in one statement but there'll be a lot of different things going on which i think it'll be good it'll be a lot of energy um obviously looking forward to the game. I don't know what I'm going to do this weekend. It's supposed to be like negative 10 degrees here and there's no football. So I'm not sure what's going to happen. It's way too cold. It's just way too cold in Connecticut. I wish we were going to Miami. This is, I'm not a cold weather person to begin with. um, But today I think put me over the top. It is, I got in my car and it was like eight degrees. So um, Dill. Um, Well, this sort of back to the, the Super Bowl thing. Have we like, is it possible to do something for the game, like a live stream type thing for the game or something like that? I don't know. I that'd purely be an Eric, asking question because that's I don't an Eric question. Know. We we talked about a little bit doing like a viewing party. We don't have the rights to obviously show. We can watch me yell at the TV for three hours. <laughs> yeah, I'm not exactly <laughs> sure what that target audience is to watch the guys. I, I've watched the Super Bowl with Dan a few times, and it's actually not that fun to watch them because he has to pay attention. And so mm-hmm. it's not like when you and I watch it, like if we miss a play or two, it's like, oh, whatever. Yeah, and you can't also, get fully loaded and watch five minutes of it. Yeah. And also, <laughs> like, he's watching for so much more, right? Like, he's looking for all the nuances in it as opposed to, I'm just kind of like, oh, did they score? No? Okay, great. And then go back to my beer and chips or whatever. So Don't discredit what Dylan's watching for. We know that Dylan uh, likes to... I'm a, I'm a student of the game. <laughs> he likes to, you know, place some extra fun into these games if you know what i mean yes purely theoretical fun <laughs> i think i just dill, use doge coins dill what's the update on that before we get out it is let's see it things were going a little on the southern side for a sec but i think amc still hovering around 14 dollars. dogecoin kind of crawling back up a little bit so it's looking good everyone should buy all of them monday we're going to be rich that's your stock report me and you are going to be rich Monday. Um, that's all we got this week for the 1215 Club. It was fun. Next week we'll be joined. This is the first time I think we've joined. Uh, we've booked a guest a week in advance. We're going to be joined by Chad Ward, 
Traeger Pitmaster himself. Um, it, it, it'll be a good time. Until then, I am Ario, Eric the Big German, Dylan the Graphics Guy, and Marvin the Prince. And thank you again to Paul Pav for joining us. We will catch you guys next week. 